Today, what I want us to look at is a new you in the area of our finances. I titled today's message, New Finances. And without a shadow of a doubt, the number one issue, not even close, the number one issue that our pastoral staff hears about the most is financial issues, financial struggle. And today, if you're a guest with us, I want you to know something. We're not beginning a capital stewardship campaign. We're not taking up a special offering. It has nothing to do with that. We don't want anything from you today. We just want something for you. And we really want you to experience God's peace, God's help, God's blessing, God's favor, and the financial arena of your life. You see, when it comes to money issues and when it comes to so many issues of our life, there's one underlying thing that we have to address. And and listen to me today. If you decide to go to sleep on the entire message and tune me out, at least listen to the theme of this message. Because here's what I want to deal with. The entire message has to do with this. Our beliefs have to change before our behavior will change. So many areas of our life that is true. Our beliefs have to change before our behavior will change. And when it comes to the issues related to money, many people want to change their behavior. They want to get out of debt. They want to stop overspending. They want to save and invest. They want to be generous. They want financial peace. But many people will never achieve it because of what they believe about money. And if you don't change your belief about money, you won't change your behavior with money. Please hear me. The internal drives the external. Let me give you a biblical example of this in the book of Exodus chapter 16, verse 2. The internal drives the external. Exodus chapter 16, if you have a Bible, just open it up there. I'm going to be teaching from this portion of scripture today. This is our primary text today, Exodus chapter 16. Verse 2 says, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. If you're not familiar with the story, Israel was in bondage. They were in captivity. They were in slavery in the, to, to, to the nation of Egypt for over 400 years. Now they've been set free. And the Bible says this, there we set around pots of meat and all the food, all the food we wanted. Man, back in Egypt, we had food to eat, but you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. The Israelite people were free from bondage now. God performed miracles to set them free from Egypt. As a matter of fact, if you're not familiar with the story, the last miracle God performed is, is the nation of Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. God parted the Red Sea. The, the, the Egyptian army followed them, tried to chase them down, and, and, the, and the waters f- f- covered the, the Egyptian army, and, and they died, and God brought Israel out by his mighty hand, and now they're in the desert, and they're free, and they start complaining. They start murmuring. They even want to go back to Egypt. You see, their beliefs were affecting their behavior. You see, friends, you can get out of Egypt but still have Egypt in you. 
You can be physically free, but your mind is still bound. You can get out your parents' home, get out the city you grew up in, get the degree, get the home, get the house, but still have Egypt in you. You can get out of Egypt and still have Egypt in you. You can be physically free, but mentally bound. Some of you are there. You're out of your parents' home, and you're still affected. You're not in the same city you grew up in, but you're still affected. You're out of Egypt, but Egypt is still in you. And you've got some beliefs that are driving you to destructive behavior. And what I want to do for the next few moments is I want to give you four wrong beliefs about money. Four wrong beliefs about money because our beliefs will dictate our behavior. The first wrong belief is this, I have to depend on myself. I have to depend on myself, a wrong belief. Let's look back in the story, Exodus 16, the next verse. Verse 4 says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread. The bread was called a manna. Come on at both campuses, everybody shout, manna. Y'all want me to catch this. This bread was called manna. God rained this bread down manna from heaven for you. Israel is now free from Egypt, and they're in the desert, and God provides miracle bread. I mean, he's raining down bread every morning called manna. He's doing it supernaturally. The scripture goes on to say, the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. So five days they went out and gathered enough for that day. On the sixth day, they had to gather enough for the sixth and the seventh day. It says, in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Go out and gather enough just for that day. Verse 19 says this in Exodus chapter 16. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning. You see, some of the Israelites decided that they better keep some of the bread until the next day. They, 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 they thought, we better take care of ourselves. We'll go out there tomorrow morning. There won't be no manna. We better, we better get plenty of manna. We better depend on ourselves. We better make this happen. We, we've got to take matters in our own hands. We've got to depend on ourselves and gather enough manna for a few days. And you and I oftentimes have the same faulty thinking just like Israel. And we can easily start to think, I have to make it happen or it won't happen. And some of us, that, that's, our, that's how we believe. That's how we go through life. That's how we handle our finances. I got to make it happen or it won't happen. And I want you just to go on a journey with me because that's a huge struggle for, for many. I've got to make it happen or it won't happen. And oftentimes it stems back from how we grew up. And some of us had to grow up quick. We had to grow up early. Some of you had to start acting like an adult at the age of nine and 10. Daddy and mama weren't there for you, perhaps walked out on you and you had to take care of your younger siblings. I mean, if you were going to eat, if your brother and sister were going to eat, you had to cook dinner. You had to make the sandwiches. You had to get their clothes ready for school. You had to wash the clothes. You 
You had to grow up early, nine and ten years old. I mean, if it was going to happen, you had to make it happen. And, and even today as an adult, as a believer, as a Christ follower, you find yourself still trapped back in Egypt. And, and you actually view your heavenly father as kind of like your parents who left you or who weren't there for you or who abandoned you. And you have this mentality even when it comes towards your heavenly father. If I don't make it happen, it won't happen. And you find yourself leaning on your own understanding, leaning on your own ingenuity, leaning on your own wisdom, instead of leaning and depending on your heavenly father. And it all stems with the wrong belief. If I don't make it happen, you have to understand how I grew up. You have to understand what Egypt was like. You have to understand what I've been through. And you have this wrong belief that drives your life and causes you to make wrong decisions. Some of you, you believe if I have to make it happen so that I can be valuable, so that I can be valuable. It's a wrong belief that will lead to wrong behavior. Jesus said this about that type of thinking and belief system in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. But many people believe I'm valuable if I have valuables. My self-worth is determined by my net worth. And many people are driven by image and they buy things they don't need with money they don't have to impress people they don't even like because image. And you have this belief system that I got to make it happen so that I can be valuable because you really believe at the core of how you operate and you find yourself overspending and buying stuff you don't need and, and spending money you don't have because you're driven by this image thing that says I'm only valuable if I wear this, live there, drive that. And it's driving you to make bad financial because beliefs determine behavior. There's a, there's a third thing that, that, that some struggle with, and that is this. I, I have to make it happen because God might not make it happen. And, and so many Christians trust themselves more than they trust their heavenly father. Come on, I want to ask you a sobering question. I really, 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 really want you to think on it. I want you to ponder it. I want you to ponder it for the next several days. Do you really trust God? I mean, I know you trust him with your salvation, but do you trust him with your life? Do you trust him with your marriage? Do you, do you trust him with your kids? Do you trust him with your finances? Do you, do you trust him with your future? And oftentimes, we find ourselves not trusting God, and, and we, we trust a lot of other things. You know, there are people who think that their job is their source, or, or their boss is their source, or the economy is their source, but that's not biblical thinking. The Bible says that God is our source, and everything else is just a resource. The scripture says this in Psalms chapter 20 and verse number 7. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, some, some trust in their workplace, some trust in their balls, some trust in the economy, some trust in the stock market, some trust in gas prices, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And let it be said of us, the church of Jesus Christ, that we trust in the name of the Lord our God, not in chariots, not in horses. Come on, somebody in this house, you've got to start trusting and depending on the Lord. He's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. 
There's a second thing that I want to address today, wrong beliefs about money. First of all, I have to depend on myself. Number two is this, I'm not going to have enough. I'm not going to have enough. As many of you know, I, I, I grew up in a small town called Wewoka, Oklahoma. And in Wewoka, there were two primary grocery stores. I shouldn't say primary. There were only two grocery stores in Wewoka, a town of three or 4,000 people. And we shopped, my family, at IGA on Mekasuki Street. And we would shop at Moore's IGA, it was called. And I can remember my mama, and I've shared this story with you before, but I want to share it in a different context today. My mom would drive us to Moore's on occasions because Moore's was having a wonderful sale on canned goods. Three canned goods for a dollar, or four canned goods for a dollar. And they always limited, you know, kind of one per person, or really what they meant was one per family. And my mama would drive us three kids to IGA, and she would hand us a, a dollar and 20 cents a piece. She said, now I want y'all to go in there and get four cans of green beans. And me and my brother and sister, we look at each other, hearts beating, oh, Jesus. And we would get out the car like the CIA, like we didn't know each other. I'd go down one aisle, Scotty go down another aisle, Herlana would go down another aisle, I'd slip over, get four cans of green beans, Scotty would slip over, get him four cans, and Herlana would slip over like we didn't know each other and get her four cans. Now, come on, come on now, this is not Oklahoma City, this is not Walmart, baby, this is IGA. There's like three or four checkout lines, it's not 25, this is we woke her. There's not no 25 checkout lines. I go to the counter to pay, and Scotty gets in the next line. Herlana gets in the next line, and we all pay and walk out with our canned goods. No, no, no kidding. There were times Mama on the next day, because she knew the sale was ending on Wednesday. That was Monday. We'd go back on Tuesday. Mama give us a dollar twenty and say, go get some more cans of green beans. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Come on, this is we woke her. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and you know what? The Cooper family never went without food. We always had food on the table. There was always food in our house, but yet there was this underlying kind of belief and feeling that we would never have enough. And so I don't know why that was. I'm not sure what drove that, but there was this belief that we would never have enough. And so we stocked up. I mean, we had enough canned goods for the end of the world. If you need some canned goods, come by the Cooper house, baby. You can live for months with us. We had plenty. And can I tell you, when you believe that, when you go through life and you believe, I will never have enough, it will cause you to do goofy stuff. Like send three kids into the grocery store and we woke up where everybody knows everybody. And look at them Cooper kids, think they fooling somebody. I mean, it will cause you to do goofy stuff. And the Bible says this in the Exodus chapter 16 and verse number 20. However, some of them, check this out, paid no attention to Moses. They paid no attention to God. God gave the command to Moses and they kept part of it until morning. They said, you know what? I know God said, I know God said he's going to have manna for us tomorrow. I don't know if we'll have enough. So we're going to keep some of this till morning. I don't know if we'll have enough. And friends, here's what happens when we believe we won't have enough. We ignore God. 
We don't pay attention to what God says in the Bible. And you know what happens? We don't pay attention, so we start to hoard because we don't want to listen to God. Because I'm, I'm not going to ever have enough. So we hoard and we're stingy. We're never generous. We only think about ourselves. And friends, when we ignore God's word, you know what we think? We think we're going to make things better. But in reality, they only get worse. I want you to hear what the scripture says back in Exodus chapter 16, verse 20. It says, however, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. Now, now, on the other days, on the sixth day, when he had to keep enough for the seventh day, there were no maggots because God has enough ability and power to keep maggots out of your manna. But the issue was this. They didn't think they would have enough, so they took matters in their own hands. They disobeyed God. They didn't obey God's word, and they got maggots in their manna. And the reason that you and I disobey God's word, do you know why? Because we think we know better. We think we got a better plan. We think we got a better idea than God. And what I want us to understand is when we ignore God's word, we get maggots in our manna. We mess up our finances. We get out from under God's protection and God's blessing when we ignore his word. Let me give you another example of this. This was powerful as I was studying, and I've shared this scripture numerous times, but it just jumped out at me in a whole new way as I was dissecting Exodus 20 and how they disobeyed God, and they got maggots in their manna. Other days, there was no maggots in the manna, but this day when they disobeyed, maggots in the manna. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 says this, bring the whole tithe, 10% of the income, that we return to the Lord first into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough to store it. Now, here's what I want you to see. I will prevent pest from devouring your crops. If you will return the tithe, if you'll be obedient to me, I'm going to pour out blessings and I'm going to keep maggots from your manna. I'm going to protect you. You're going to live under my protection. And, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. God says, I will protect you. I will keep manna, ma- manna, maggots out of your manna. But when you think you know what's best and you do things your own way, you get maggots in your manna. You mess up your finances. And there are a lot of people that, that just do things their own way. And they disobey God and... They find themselves upside down financially. They find themselves in all type of consumer debt. They find themselves spending money they don't have. They find themselves stressed out. No peace. They find themselves with maggots in their manna. There's this third thing. There's a third thing I want you to see. A third wrong belief. This is powerful. It's powerful. A third wrong belief. I want to switch and shift gears with you right now. And the third thing is this. God will do everything for me. I was focusing at first on, I, mean, I got to make it happen myself. I got to take matters in my own hands. But there is another type of Christian. And this type of person, they believe that God will do everything for them. And there are some Christians that literally believe this. They believe they can dishonor God. They can dishonor God's word, and somehow, some way, God is going to show up in their situation. And friends, I, I want you to see clearly in the scripture that that's faulty thinking. 
and a wrong belief system will produce wrong behavior. And this kind of thinking will get you into big time financial trouble. God will just do it no matter what. And I want you to see this in Exodus chapter 16, verse 27. It says, nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it. Now, now God said on the sixth day, you gather enough for the seventh day because the seventh day is the Sabbath and you rest. So they went out on the seventh day because they're thinking, hey, God's been providing, providing manna every day. There'll be manna. God will just do it. But notice what the scripture goes on to say. But they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Because it's so important that we obey the Lord's commands. We obey the Lord's instructions. He says, bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. And yet some of the Israelites disobeyed God's word and they did not get manna on the sixth day enough for the seventh day because they thought, hey, I can do what I want to do. I can disobey God's word. And somehow, some way, God will still provide manna on the seventh day. But on the seventh day, there was no manna. I want to give you two nuggets here. I, I believe can be life-changing for your life for your finances. The first nugget is this. All of our note takers write this down. Work, write, write this down. I, I want to call it the six-day principle. Write that down. The six-day principle. Work for six days for your manna. The Bible says they had to work six days. They had to, had to gather manna for six days. And the Bible says this, six days you shall work. And the seventh day is a Sabbath take one day off a week. And so six days they had to work. They had to gather manna. But on the seventh day, they had to rest. Six-day principle. In our culture, many people work five days a week. I realize some of you do work six and some of you work seven. And I trust and believe that the Lord will help you and get things organized, get your house in order where you can work six days a week because it is a command that we take one day off a week. But there are a lot of people who work five days a week. And if your financial house is not in order, you find yourself upside down financially, you find yourself in financial hardship, I want to encourage you to work the six-day principle because the scripture commands us six days you shall work. And I want to encourage you to work the sixth day. So, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, perhaps you own a home and work the sixth day. Instead of taking two days off a week, work the sixth day, maybe Put some, get some equity in your home and maybe update the cabinets and do some house labor and maybe change some countertops and, and get, come and work the sixth day. And then when you turn around and sell it, you got more equity and work the sixth day. But perhaps it's, it, it, it is getting a second job for, for a season and you get a second job for the sixth day part time so that you can get yourself out of hardship, get yourself out of stress, get some, get some savings set aside. You work the sixth day. Perhaps it's going back and getting your education, getting your master's degree, getting your, your 
your doctorate's degree and, and you say over the next five years or six years, I'm working the sixth day to, to better my skills, to get an education. But maybe perhaps, perhaps it's sharpening your skills. And on the sixth day, you're reading some books in your area of expertise, in, in your field, in the area where you work every day and you're reading to sharpen your skills. So at your workplace, you can be more marketable for the promotion, for the raise, for, for the position, for the management, management position. Work the sixth day. Work the six days you shall work. And the seventh, the seventh, there's going to be enough manna left over on the seventh. But there's a second principle I want us to see. God will do everything for me. That, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a wrong myth. Work six days. Work six days. The, 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 the second thing I want you to see is manage your manna. Manage your manna. The Bible says they had to gather manna the sixth day for the seventh day. And if they let little Johnny eat all that manna up, they won't have any for tomorrow. Hey, Jerome, get off the manna, boy! Ah! We're saving that manna. And they had to manage the manna to have enough for the next day. A principle that will revolutionize your life. One of the big keys to getting ahead financially is learning to manage your manna. Questions I want you just to think about. What's coming in? What are, what are you earning? What, what are you bringing home every, every week, every other week, once a month? What, what are you bringing home? If you don't know, if you can't even get within $100 or $200, you're probably in trouble. What are you, what, what's going out? What, what are you spending every week? What, what, what are you spending every month? Where, where's it going? Where's your finances going? And this is always alarming to me when I read these statistics and hear these statistics, but did you realize 90% of Americans don't know what's going out. In other words, 90% of Americans don't live on a budget. They don't really know what's coming in, and they sure don't know what's going out. I mean, they're just going through life. Hey, after church, we're going to go out to eat. Have fun. No, I don't know if we got money. We got a card. It's called a MasterCard, and it's your master. And you know every 30 days, it is your master. You say, well, I'm just living life, you know. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I got my Chase Visa card, and I just swipe. And you chasing it around all the time, too, just chasing, just chasing, chasing. And a lot of people, they don't, they don't manage their manna. You've got to manage your manna. You've got to know what's coming in. You've got to know what's going on. You've got to just be disciplined to sit down and figure it may be painful. You might not like what you see, but you've got to live in reality, baby, the brutal honest reality. This is what's coming in and this is what's going out and here's where it's going. I'm giving every dollar a name. I know where our dollars are going. Here's what most people do financially. Most people. Here's the order they do it in. Most people spend first. They get paid. They spend first. And then second of all, they, they repay it. They, they pay debt. They make the minimum payment on the credit card. They pay debt. They make the car payment. They pay debt. And then the third thing people do is pay taxes. Say, Pastor, is that biblical? Absolutely. Render to Caesar's. What is Caesar's? Pay your taxes. And then, and then fourth of all, if they got anything left after they spend it all and then they repay some debt and then, and then they pay their taxes, then maybe if there's something less, they save it. They, they save a little bit. And then after all that, if there's any left, but we got, oh, I got $5 left, they give it. And that's most people, the order in which they handle their finances. And please hear me. If you want God's blessing, if you want to do it God's way and get financial peace in your life, 
I want to encourage you to reverse it. To reverse it. Give first. Tithe first. Return the first 10% to the local church where you worship first. And some of you are thinking, well, of course you're going to say that. You're the preacher of the church. Listen, listen. You don't know me. You haven't been here. This is your first time here, your second time, your third time. You've only been here a month or two. You think my motives are wrong. You think I got a bad heart. You don't trust this ministry. Go give your tithe to another church. I believe in this principle. This principle is true. It works. Go give it somewhere. I'm just telling you, put it into practice. Give first. Give first. Do it up. Do it back. Give. Most people won't do it. They're going to spend first. They're going to go to the mall first. They're going to go out to eat. Give first. Second of all, save second. Save second. Set some money aside for a rainy day. Set some manna aside for the future. Discipline yourself because, listen, if you spend first, you ain't going to have anything left. Save second. Get first. Save second. The third thing, pay your taxes. Render to Caesars what is Caesars. And after you pay your taxes, then repay debt. Get a, get, get a debt repayment plan to get yourself out of debt, to pay off the credit cards. And then after you pay debt, then you spend. Then you go out to eat. Then you go to the movies. Then you catch the thunder game. You do that after you work the first four. And if you're going to get ahead financially, you've got to learn to manage your manna. On the sixth day, gather enough manna and manage it right for the next day. And if you will learn to manage your manna properly, you won't always need a miracle in your finances. The Bible says this in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 35. So the Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. Friends, can I tell you, it was because of their disobedience in the desert that they needed manna every day. And God is faithful. God loves us. God will give us manna in the middle of the desert. But God's plan for Israel was not for them to wake up every day and go, oh, God, please do a miracle. Woo! Thank the Lord for that manna raining down. I don't know how it's happening, but manna is that was not God. God did that for them, but that was not His plan for their life. God's plan for Israel was to take them to a land that was called the promised land, a land flowing with milk and with honey. And His plan for them was not to rain down manna, because after 40 years, God cut off the manna. And He says, Go into that promised land, and I want you to build houses. I want you to plant crops and eat from the harvest. I want you to store some stuff away. And I'm not going to continue to rain down manna. That's not my best plan for your life. If you obey me, you won't have to live on manna every day and need a miracle. And I want to encourage some of you today. Because in your belief system, you really believe, man, you know what, God? I need a miracle this month. And I need a miracle this week. And God is faithful. And God does miracles. But God's plan for your life is not for you to live in the land, I need a miracle every week, and I'm stressed. I need pressure. God, please give me manna. I need some manna. Oh, God, please. But he wants you in the promised land, a land of more than enough. Oh, hear me. When I say that, I'm not, I, I am not advocating, oh, God wants you to be rich. And I'm not saying that. I don't believe that. But I also don't believe that God wants you to wonder how you're going to pay your bills. I also don't believe God want, wants you to wonder how you're going to feed your babies. I believe God wants to provide for you, but you've got to manage your manna properly. I close with number four. Number four is this. Here's the fourth wrong belief. The fourth wrong belief is I'm stuck. I want to just wrap up this message by ministering to your heart right now. Some of you believe I'm stuck. Just look at your pastor real quick. Hear my heart. You might be in the desert. And please hear me. I know. 
I know for many people, it is tough. And it's tight. And you might be upside down. And you're in the desert. And I want you to know, if you will work God's word right where you are, God's word will work for you. I know that. Even in the desert, if you begin to work God's word, God will rain down manna because he loves you. He will rain down manna. He'll provide for you. Work God's word right in the desert, right when it's tough, right when it's difficult. And God will show himself faithful and strong. But I also want to encourage you, you don't have to be stuck in the desert. Because some of you, man, you, you grew up stuck, and man, I know what it is to grow up and watch hot checks written and hold this check, and I don't know. And you, I mean, I, I, grew, I know, I understand, I understand. I, I grew up in Egypt, but I'm telling you, God can take you to your promised land. And I want you to know there's hope. I'm talking to somebody you don't believe there's there's hope. God can help you. You're not stuck. There is a promised land for you.